Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. What a week this was, Rita. This feels like it's been a month. There has been so much news going on, John. I'll uh, tell you, it's it's really, uh, you know, it, it is crazy times. In, in the studio with us, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have uh, Ed Cox. Uh, uh, and uh, we have Governor uh, David uh, Patterson. And, of course, to give us a report of what's going on in the streets of New York What's his theme song again? Oh, yeah, it's coming to take me away, right, wasn't it? By the way, also, we have Lara Trump coming up. we got an action-packed show. we got Roger Stone. Uh, we have a huge show, so everybody stay tuned today. Curtis, give us a report. What the heck is going on? Well, after the civil disobedience the other night outside of Creedmoor, uh, the tents that were put up on the state psychiatric facility property were uh, springing leaks all night because of the heavy downpour. Wait, wait, Curtis, now, since you're talking about Creedmoor, we, we do have your theme song. Song. Here course, we go, here course. we go. Take me away, ha ha, they're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, ha ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in the Now, speaking of, uh, <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> well, many people suggest I belong in there, but uh, in addition, uh, the state is now offered to the city an opportunity to house uh, illegal aliens on tent, in tents that they could set up. At the old Pilgrim State, which was a psychiatric facility in Central Islip, Brentwood, that's Suffolk, and uh, even further out, Kings Point, which was the huge uh, psychiatric center. Now, Brentwood is where? Is that in Suffolk County Suffolk or, County. or Nassau County? That's the old because, uh, Peter uh, Bruce, King District. Bruce Blakeman is coming on. Yes. And I heard Bruce this morning on Sid Rosenberg's show, and he says, no way is anybody going to be in... Uh, uh, in Nassau County, and he's coming on right after you. Yeah, well, those are the two uh, facilities uh, mostly abandoned in Suffolk County. And by the way, they're talking about Nassau Coliseum yes. in Nassau. Which, I mean, are you kidding me? What I, I keep makes, saying that, that. That makes Governor Patterson unhappy. Yeah, he, oh, Governor Patterson, we I'm have not, to have you happy. I'm not unhappy. The county executive will come on and speak for me shortly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good political answer, Governor. That's but I will, great. I will tell you this, Rita and John and uh, fellow contributors, uh, Contributors, I cannot for the life of me understand what Eric Adams is doing. He's going to a fundraiser at Martha's Vineyard for his reelection. Martha's Vineyard, as you know, that's where DeSantis sent the illegal aliens from Venezuela. Which lasted about 24 hours, They had right? a cup of coffee, <laughs> and Larry David came out with the other liberals and progressives, said, we love you, but get the hell out of here. They, they put they, him on they, buses. They him out. No, right, and sent him to Rhode Island. Welcome to Martha's Vineyard, now get the hell out. Right, yeah, right. He did. there's the sympathy, right? There's but, the sympathy. But then... He goes on this religious pilgrimage to Israel for five days. He should have canceled all that. This isn't, we're in the middle of an emergency here. He can't even agree with the governor any longer. He's saying Did we he should have a go? sit down. Yeah, and he's asking, he's going to, he's planning on going. Tomorrow he's going, morning. Yeah, he's going over the weekend for like three, four days. And also he's asking for a state of emergency. He's asking the governor because Massachusetts declared a state of emergency after 20,000. But you're right. It's, there's so much going on. The other thing too, Curtis, they're also talking about housing the migrants. This is in the jail where uh, Epstein got Epstein. Right. MCC, uh, the MCC. <laughs> and worse, Jersey thought, oh, we don't have to worry about that. 
The federal government has offered Eric Adams the use of Fort Dix, which is in Burlington, New Jersey, 16 miles from Trenton. And Fort Dix is no longer just a military uh, facility. And they were it's a suggestion president. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now, what we're doing in the interim is there is the senior citizen uh, housing unit that was cleared out as uh, Vito Fisella, the borough president, appeared with you twice last week and very eloquently. In Staten Island. Yeah, and explain how even a 95 year old widow whose husband was a veteran of the greatest generation would still pack your bags and leave. They're now fixing it up. They intend on pushing illegal aliens in. We're meeting out there at 2 o'clock on uh, Sunday, 1111 uh, Father Capadonna Boulevard. We're declaring Occupy Midland Beach. We're taking over the facility. We're not letting them bring in the illegal aliens. You know what that means? Let me. i got to play your theme song again. They're coming to take me away. <laughs> They're coming to take me away. That, that means arrest, what, 79? Uh, that'll that be 79. You... <laughs> and that's not far from Staten Island uh, Psychiatric Facility, which is like three blocks away so on Father Capadonna. Put you in the, uh... Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We got There's only one way. The people have to rally up and stop this craziness. It is craziness. It is craziness. In fact, and nobody is willing. Well, we got Bruce Blakeman on, and yeah. he. I saw. I. I heard him this morning in, uh, on on uh, Sid Rosenberg's uh, show, and uh, he was really angry. And he says, "No way is Nassau County going to surrender." Bruce Blakeman, County Executive of Nassau mm-hmm. County, are you there? Yeah, hey John, how are you? I am good, and uh, you were fired up this morning, and I I enjoyed listening to you. Tell us about what you you talked about with uh, Sid Rosenberg this morning. Well, Nassau County is not a sanctuary county. Uh, we haven't invited the migrants to come to our county, like New York City, San Francisco, Chicago, and so many other places. Uh, it, it's kind of like. So your neighbor is inviting people to stay at his home. He's going to give them an allowance. He's going to give them food. He's going to give them shelter. He's going to give them a bicycle. And when he's tired of them or there's too many of them, he's going to go next door to you and tell you you have to take them. Uh, it's outrageous. We don't have to take people uh, in this program that's not federally funded, that would be a burden to our schools, a burden on our social services, and quite frankly, a major crime problem. So uh, I'm going to fight that with all my breath. And uh, again, New York City invited the migrants in. Don't complain now that you're being overwhelmed. Did now, you? Oh, go, go now, ahead, now, but what's happening? How are they getting from the Texas border up uh, up to New York? Somebody's asking. Very that. simple. A crossover. The first group, the largest uh, nonprofit group to meet them is Catholic Charities that has been funded with federal dollars. They ask you, where would you like to go? Nine out of ten. Obviously, they've seen the videos. Say, New York City, we get to go to Times Square, the Milford Plaza, the Paramount Hotel. And that's what happens. They put them on a bus two days later. They stop at the Port Authority. They walk across 42nd Street to the Roosevelt Hotel. They're processed there. And then they're outsourced to hotels, motels, all throughout the five boroughs, and increasingly upstate New York. And by the way, when they get offered to go somewhere else, um, because they have to go voluntarily, I saw the other day there's a couple thousand that could qualify that they're trying to get. They only had 17 families except. Let me correct, Curtis. Actually, they put them on a plane first to Westchester, right? In the middle of the night, nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. And then deny it for about a year. Give them a plane. And deny it. Deny it until it's caught on tape. Right. Post actually 
checked out the plane. She has tape on the plane. Rob oh, in the middle, in the middle Rob of the night. Astorino, in the middle of the night. The Westchester right. County Executive saw it. So, yeah, Bruce, they're like trying to ship them wherever they can. And you're right. It's like New York City wonders. They're like, why are they coming here? To Curtis's point, it's like free this, free that. And they're bragging. There was one today in the paper. It made my, uh, it made me so angry saying, Oh, I'm swimming. I, I'm enjoying the food. I'm enjoying the swim. I'd love to have that for free. Wouldn't you, Bruce? Well, well, what's lost in this whole debate is the fact that taxpayers are paying for this. I mean, we have enough to do here in the metropolitan area and throughout the United States of America for people who are here legally, people who came here and came the right way, and they need services, and we provide those services. We provide a safety net, but now we're being inundated with hundreds of thousands of people that haven't been vetted. They're causing law enforcement problems, homeland security problems. There's fentanyl coming over across the border. We have to stop this lunacy. And it begins with municipalities like Nassau County saying, no, we're not going to accept your program. We're not going to accept these migrants. We have enough to do to educate our children here in our communities. And this is not asylum. Asylum is a program to take people in who have some kind of political problem that could cost them their life in their home country, or they have some other problem, a religious problem, and they come to the United States seeking asylum because it's no longer safe for them to live in their country. They're vetted. They go before a judge. A judge makes a determination. The people that are coming across the border now won't see a judge, won't get vetted, for three or four years. So we have these people running around the United States, not knowing who, the, who they are, not vetting them properly. And we are in a situation now where we're no longer a country because if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. And uh, we're talking to Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you got a question for him. Bruce, I just also want to point out to you, you have the following. You have a national administration that f- refuses to enforce the border and give us the national security. They're violating their oath of office in terms of immigration law. More importantly, they have an option. The option is because of the public health crisis with the new diseases coming in with these unvetted people, as you point out, reestablish Title 42. That's all. And you have a basis to keep the border closed and to have an incremental legal process. What's worse than everything is these kids are going to be going to school with our kids and uh, they have diseases, and uh, they're going to pass them on to our kids. Yeah, and school year it's is not right fair. around the corner. And as Dr. Siegel pointed out yesterday, there are diseases where they're either unvaccinated or they've gotten inferior medical treatment, so they have drug resistance when they come here. So even if they had the right drugs here, they've already contaminated the ability to deal with the right vaccines yeah how do you how do you that's why i feel like we're gonna feel this bruce for generations to come i mean health wise what about criminal records we don't know who's here there's like two million gotaways too that are in the country uh go ahead bruce sorry no this is this is a bizarre federal federal program that has not been planned there's no strategy other than to destroy the fabric of america that's the only thing i can think of because there is no logic there is no common sense it doesn't benefit anybody here in the United States. We are a pro-immigration country. We're founded on immigration. 
but there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. And we're letting a few progressive woke socialists in Washington, D.C. destroy our country. The right way to do it, Bruce. Open up, up. open up Ellis Island type situations and vet everybody that's coming through. We are pro immigration. We want immigration. But let them go through an Ellis Island type operation to make sure we're not getting terrorists, we're not getting drug dealers, and we're not getting people that are sick. We're going to make the rest of the American people sick. And also right. separated. And let's take our best and brightest like every other country does. Uh, we have immigrants that have contributed so much uh, to science, technology, business, education, law, that have really made a material difference. And these really, really super people from other countries and from other areas want to come to America, and they can't even get in. You know, they got to cross the border uh, on the south to get in. It's, it's just, it's a bizarre situation, and I'm just glad my parents aren't alive to see it. You're right. Bruce uh, Blakeman, uh, County Executive, Nassau County, thank you. Um, Curtis Lewa, protect yourself. Be careful. Yeah. Did you need a? Do you need a, a an attorney you know, to help you on this Sunday? <laughs> we got a couple in studio. Washington, <laughs> Washington is trying to put away uh, our former president, and you're you're the former mayor. Maybe they're trying to put you away too. They got it. Well, Judge Weinberg, uh, I know you have no retainer from me, so you're going to have to do this. Give, give me one give dollar. Me the, give me the dollar. We'll get you out. Let's go to a break, and thank you guys for being on. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Now, now one of our first citizens of, uh, of New York, Bruce Mosler, uh, chairman uh, of Cushman and Wakefield, also co-chairman of the Intrepid. Uh, Bruce uh, is one of the most charitable guys I know. He takes care of vets. He takes care uh, of everybody. Bruce Mosler, give us an update. What the heck is going on in New York? Uh, I understand uh, uh, there's so many changes. and we're, we're, Look, we love New York. We want to come back. So, so first of all, John, good afternoon. It's great to be with you again. And if I'm charitable, I don't know what that puts you in some super league of charitability. But um, let's talk about the mayor's rezoning plan and upzoning. I think it's a great idea. I think the concept of turning some obsolete property uh, into future housing, uh, which we know we need desperately, is a very good idea. A couple things need to be, I think, the devil's in the details. A couple things need to be vetted out. First and foremost, if we're going to create housing that's market rate housing, some of that property will work. Some of it won't work. Very much of it depends upon the asset itself. You generally lose up to 25% of the floor plan in terms of a conversion from commercial to residential. So it has to be studied carefully for which assets will work. Secondly, the ownership has to be able to make it work. And in this high interest rate environment, it's not a given. But the concept, I emphasize, is great. Secondly, let's be clear. The office market is is in recovery. We've seen the bifurcation and the flight to quality. Park Avenue just, we got some new figures in. The vacancy rate has dropped to 15%. The overall vacancy in New York is 22. So these are, there's some good signs. Nevertheless, 
If this program, I think, has success, it needs to be looked at comprehensively. It may be a great opportunity for a public-private partnership if we're looking for affordable housing. The devil's in the details. I love the concept. I think what we have to do is, is get up underneath it and make it work broad brush the way the mayor wants to. And uh, Bruce, this is Rita. Great to talk Hi, with Rita. you. Hey, by the way, I saw you um, on TV at the 80th anniversary of the Intrepid this week, too. So it was beautiful to see. Oh, and man. you know how much. What it's- a great day. What a great ship. Yeah. And to see some plank holders, World War II veterans join us uh, from all over the country was incredible. 200 crew members, former crew members. It was beautiful. I want to ask you about mortgage rates because mortgage rates yeah. are at such a high and it's really hurting people, A, if they want to sell, uh, cause where are they going to move into? Uh, new home buyers, uh, new couples. Uh, a lot of people are saying, wait, wait, maybe we're going to wait to get married because we can't get our first home. I mean, there's all these issues that we're hearing out here. How's that affecting real estate? Well, look, I'm not the residential expert. I'd be the first to tell you that. But I would say this mortgage. I, I'm, a, I'm a person who grew up in the 12 percent um, you know, mortgage rate era. So mm-hmm. the, what we are used to and Rita, this is where the rubber meets the road is a zero interest rate environment. So the movement that we've seen has had a profound effect. And I think what we broad brush hope for is that we can tame inflation. We can. Uh, stop the rise in interest rates and broad brush. That's for business, not just real estate, but, but interest, uh, the, the interest rates are going to challenge business and their operating costs. If we can't, you know, bring inflation under control, which I hope we can, but we, this is a very delicate balancing act. Uh, I would not necessarily want to be in Mr. Powell's shoes, but it's, it's, this is a wait and watch and, and it's affected by the macroeconomics and geopolitics of the time. And uh, everybody, we are talking to uh, the great chairman of Cushman and Wakefield, uh, Bruce Mosler, and great philanthropist too, um, uh, Governor David Patterson. You got a question for Bruce? So, Bruce, I was thinking that with respect to the upzoning, that yes, if the public-private partnership could be formulated, I mean, that would be a real negotiation. But if that occurred, then I'd say that's two-thirds of the battle. Uh, Governor, as always, great to hear from you, and you are right. Um, this is a city legislature, I think, uh, issue. Uh, we need to get them on side, and I think that you're absolutely right. The, the route here, if we're going to go for affordable housing, is to get public-private partnership engaged. To do that, we have to get uh, some folks on side. But I agree, that's the route to go. We've seen how the conversion of residential can work downtown. We, we Downtown is now a 24-7 vibrant piece of our city. And quite frankly, that wasn't always the case. So we know it can work. Bruce, Judge Weinberg? Bruce, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I, Judge, I, great to hear from you. I'm very troubled by the fact that the legislature continues to fail to reestablish 421A benefits for development. How mm-hmm. are you going to get suitable housing unless you have encouragement for developers. I, I think that's one of the great challenges. Um, Judge, you've hit the nail on the head. 421A needs to be reinstated. I think we have to work at it. And frankly, it's it's an educational process to say, here's the benefits, particularly now that the mayor has launched or had talked about this rezoning plan. I think it's another opportunity to be back in front of the city legislature to articulate the benefits of what can be done through affordable housing and with subsidization. And I believe the public-private partnership has served New York well. Just take a look at what's happened 
uh, in the Penn District. The public-private partnership delivered Moynihan Station on time, on budget, improving the commute for Long Islanders exponentially. So it can be done, and I am not. I, I am not going to sit here and say it's easy. It's going to be tough, but I think it's about consistency and, frankly, being in front of, of, of the city legislature now and reiterating the benefits that can be achieved in this moment. Well, Bruce, thank you. We love thank having you, you on. Thank you for calling and bringing all New Yorkers up to date on what's going on, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. We might, might see you at breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> Privileged to be with you all. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Bruce. And uh, now uh, we have uh, – Roger Stone and Rita, why don't you bring him back? And joining us now with some big news, as there's lots of revelation on the Hunter Biden front, is Roger Stone, of course, a longtime political consultant, very close to President Trump. Uh, Roger, um, also, I know you got a big show also this Sunday. First off, your reaction to all these fake emails that President Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was using and ceasing his son, ceasing the president of Ukraine. Uh, and now, of course, the floodgates may open. Who knows what's in there? You know, it's amazing how much the uh, the jackals in the fake news media have tried to suppress this story. I think huge credit goes to the New York Post, particularly to Miranda Devine and John Levine, also to Emma Jo Harris at Breitbart News, who have broken most of these stories. Uh, it is just unfathomable that the sitting vice president, uh, and this may have existed into his presidency, was using aliases to communicate with people regarding his son's business. Now, Joe Biden told us repeatedly during the 2020 campaign that he had no knowledge or involvement in Hunter's business. We now uh, know much better. Uh, And uh, uh, this past week has really been shocking because the appointment of the special counsel is not to expedite an exploration of the corruption of Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family, but it appears to me more designed to slow it down and conceal it. They withdrew the the uh, the slap on the wrist tax charges that were filed in Delaware. Yeah, the by the way, Roger, counsel- that just came out a couple hours ago. What do you, is that like a fake uh, move, or do you think they're going to move towards felonies against him, or is it just part of the stall game? I think it is part of uh, jurisdiction shopping. The last thing that the special counsel, who, by the way, whose appointment, his name is David Weiss, I think his appointment is illegal. The the Department of Justice regulation says very clearly that a special counsel must be a lawyer from outside the government, not just outside the Justice Department, but outside the federal government. Mr. Weiss has been investigating Hunter Biden for five years. Mr. Weiss was the architect of the sweetheart deal that had buried deep in it total and complete immunity for all major crimes, such as extortion. Uh, bribery, uh, racketeering, money laundering, uh, uh, influence peddling, illegal lobbying. I would say, based on everything I've seen in the Hunter Biden laptops, as published uh, by the Marco Polo Research Group at MarcoPoloUSA.org. By the way, Garrett Ziegler of Marco Polo is my guest this Sunday on the Roger Stone Show from 3 to 5 on WABC Radio to help break this down further, uh, those crimes would all have been essentially wiped away. Hunter Biden would have been 
immune from prosecution uh, if they didn't uh, if they did uh, had driven this plea deal through. And now by withdrawing it, which happened only hours ago, they're able to jurisdiction shop. In other words, if they bring any prosecution against Hunter Biden, uh, they could bring it in Washington, D.C. They could bring it in North California. What they don't want to do is go back in front of this hard nosed, honest judge who they really tried to pull the wool over her eyes and she caught them. Yeah, she blew the lid off of them, John. You know what? You know, the thing is, Raj, and going back to also the email stuff, this looks really bad. Where do you think all of this is headed, um, especially in terms of the emails? Uh, because now Comer has said, we want to go to the National Archives. We want to get all this information on Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, uh, also looking at bank records. Do you feel when Congress comes back, which they're going to come back soon, they're on break, even though Comer is obviously nonstop, do you think um, they're going to push for an impeachment inquiry? Where do you think all of that is headed with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden? Could Congress do the job that maybe David Weiss isn't going to do? Well, Rita, i got to be honest with you. My concern is that they will now use the appointment of a special counsel uh, as an excuse not to cooperate, to claim that all of the documents, all of the records that Comer and other House Republicans want to see, all the documents which by law they're entitled to see, uh, cannot be turned over because this is, quote, an ongoing investigation. Now, the average special counsel investigation Uh, looking at it historically, uh, is longer than two and a half years. Uh, They may never have to tell us what's going on with Hunter Biden until, well, well after the 2024 election. So I I really think this is part of an overall effort. I suspect that Comer will be back on with uh, Katz and Cosby here within weeks, telling you that the Biden administration is stonewalling their efforts to get more information. We've already seen that pattern from the administration. I think it's actually going to get more difficult. Yeah, I agree. Now, Roger, you're going to be on on Sunday between, uh, what is it, three and five? Three and five. Must listen to radio. And tell us what you're going to talk about again. Uh, We have Gary Ziegler who is the head of the Marco Polo Research Group. That is the group that has published uh, and put online all of Hunter Biden's uh, laptop material, which they have curated and very carefully footnoted to make it all understandable. They've also had the good taste to blur all of the images that would be considered pornographic. You can actually go, John, to marcopolousa.org, You can order a printed copy of the laptop contents or you can download it right from your computer. It is uh, an extraordinary body of work. He's only 27 years old. He has a skeletal staff of eight researchers. He is being sued by Hunter Biden and his lawyers to try to shut down this operation. Uh, He is it's not a political organization. They don't advocate a vote for or against anyone. They are just dedicated to publishing the truth regarding Hunter Biden's laptop. Much of the material in The New York Post and their excellent coverage of this issue has come from the uh, the exposure of the Marco Polo group. Roger, we'll be listening uh, between 3 and 5 uh, to you on WABC and Radio.com worldwide, 172 countries. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you, Radio. God bless you. 
Wow, that was interesting. And, and by the way, uh, Governor Patterson, you, one of the pseudonyms, the fake names on the emails that uh, we were just talking with Roger about that uh, uh, Vice President then Joe Biden was using was J.B. Ware. I said, beware. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, there's J.B. Ware, and then he has a son, another Ware, and then he has a third son everywhere. And oh! We know who that is. <laughs> I guess that means Hunter Biden, don't you think, Ed Cox? Got to be wary of it. (laughs) (laughs) We're having too much fun on this Friday. Everybody stay with us here on Cats and Cosby. The great Larry Kudlow after the break. And we also have Lara Trump. We got an action-packed show. Stay with us. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. By the way, Lara Trump is going to be joining us. She's going to be calling in in just a few minutes. And uh, somebody who did a big interview, a big, huge exclusive with President Trump is our next guest. And, of course, we love him, the great Larry Kudlow. You see him, of course, on Fox Business. And he has an awesome show, the number one show on Saturdays, the Kudlow Show, the Larry Kudlow Show, every Saturday, 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. on 77 WABC Radio. And Larry, great to have you here on with me and John. And he, he did a tremendous uh, interview with uh, uh, with President Trump, mostly economic. It was great. And tell us about your interview with President Trump. Well, thank you to both. Thanks to both of you. You know, one of the great things about this, uh, first of all, we didn't do the scandals. As you said, John, we did the economy. That was the purpose of the interview. And that's what the president, former president, wanted. He used this phrase three times. Common sense. Now, I know a very smart person that talks a lot about the need for common sense. I think his name is John Katsimatidis. And Donald (laughs) Trump used that phrase with respect to ending the war against fossil fuels, keeping taxes and regulations low, Letting Americans have a choice if they want to buy a gasoline-powered car or an air conditioner or a light bulb or a microwave. That was the thrust of what he said. I mean, he was totally pro-growth and prosperity. He talked about the need to have a strong dollar uh, to curb inflation and uh, to show America's strength around the world. But he had this moderate temperament. And he talked about common sense policies as an alternative to what we have now. And I, I, I want to tell you, I, I know I'm biased. I did work for him. Uh, he's a longtime personal friend. But I really thought it was a brilliant interview. I mean, I thought the guy was completely on his game. Uh, we taped it Wednesday, two days after the Georgia indictment. And, he, you know, he, he wasn't at all flustered. In fact, I've never seen him better top of his game. Wow. Well, the the economy under Trump and Larry Kudlow was the best ever for our country. I mean, interest rates were the lowest. Uh, uh, gas uh, uh, was the lowest. Uh, gasoline and, and food prices were low. I mean, it was a great economy. I mean, it just... Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's just, one of the things, John, uh, on this point, uh, you know, Mr. Trump said, uh, look at uh, gasoline today. It's come down from the highs, but it's approaching four dollars a gallon again. It was about two bucks under him. And he had another point that was very important. And I was going to raise this with respect to the uh, financial economy. Mortgage rates 
are all of a sudden moving back to 8%. And uh, during the Trump years, they were uh, 265, 2.65%. I mean, that's just a killer. Uh, so you've got high gas prices and you've got high mortgage rates and you are hurting the middle class. And these are the things that he talked about and he believes, you know, he can change. And I think he's right. He gave a very good growth agenda uh, for the whole, you know, right across the board. But he also said something else, John, that will resonate with you. He's, he believes that because uh, oil, you can add natural gas. Fossil fuels are so important to our economy. They spread and permeate. I mean, you could name 200 items in the consumer price index that are directly or indirectly affected by the price of oil uh, or oil refining and so forth. And that's why it's important to produce more oil and gas and keep the prices down. And, of course, he also added the fact that high oil prices have helped Russia finance this crazy war in Ukraine. Russia is making a billion dollars a day with the high oil prices. They use that billion to, to, to wage war in the Ukraine. Yeah. And, and, and they're using our own money because uh, almost a trillion dollars worth of wealth went from North America to Asia, India, you know, uh, the OPEC nations. And, and it's our... Our money. That's what they're using to to, to wage war. Incredible story. The other thing he talked about that was very important was trade. And he is a strong advocate of what he calls, and I call, reciprocity. In other words, nobody likes high tariffs. But if China or India or Europe is going to jack up tariffs on the United States, then we have to do something about that. On the other hand, if they would lower tariffs, then we could lower our tariffs also. So he wants a reciprocal trade relationship with the rest of the world. Now, I am a free trader, but I happen to agree with him. You have to stand up for American interests. And reciprocity is a very important concept. And he talked a lot about that. And by the way, if we have to raise tariffs, he said, you know what? We'll take in the revenues and use the revenues to cut taxes here at home. And, of course, I love that. I love all tax cuts, any well, way you can get them. You know, one thing I love, and I just want to say it, uh, we, we, we want to wish you something here. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Come on, Ed, we don't hear you sing. Happy birthday, dear Larry. Happy birthday to you. We love you, Larry. Larry, have a great birthday tomorrow. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah. And we'll catch Thank up again you. real soon. And we, 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 we had a small little birthday dinner last night. <laughs> great. Well-deserved, Larry. Rita, it's wonderful to be 39 again. Oh, my God. You look great. I thought I thought you were like 37, 38, but all right. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Great. Love you very, very much, Larry. And by the way, coming up, we're going to have in about a minute or two here, Michael Schellenberger, he's going to be joining us. Uh, and he just had a blockbuster documentary, and it's about saving the whales and also talking about 
the sort of the, if you will, the the false stories that are out there about the climate and also the effect of what's happening with these wind farms. Joining us now, we've got him on the line, Michael Schellenberger, and he's one of the executive producers of this brand new documentary. It is called Thrown to the Wind. And Michael, we love our whales. We're, we're like such fans of the whales. Uh, tell us what you discovered, because you kind of blew the lid off this in this new documentary that you put out. Well, first, thanks so much for having me. This is, I can't imagine a more important issue. So you may know for years, the government has been saying that they have been studying the increase of whale death since 2017. And they've said that it's not because of all of the new wind uh, offshore industrialized wind uh, industry. But we did our own research. We commissioned two forms of research. One was measuring the sound, the sonar underwater, and the other was comparing the increase in whale death to new boat traffic to build the wind turbines and to do the sonar and all the other stuff. And we found a very strong correlation, and we found illegally high levels of high decibel sonar inside underwater. And both of those are things that are known to kill whales. And we think we have very strong evidence that that's what's been going on. You know, Micah, I saw um, just a couple hours ago, like 60 whale deaths on the East Coast. And and to your point, it's almost like right in line with where they're building these very like they go deep into the into, you know, uh, into the water, too. I mean, they go deep down at the base of the ocean. These huge, you know, wind towers, the windmills that they're doing, they're enormous structures. But it's almost like right in line, sadly, where these whale deaths are happening. I mean, it, you know, it's almost, you know, it, it, you look exactly where the deaths are and where they're doing this construction. How much did you find that they're really correlating and is anybody understanding and waking up we love our whales well first of all this this is not complicated science this is not frontier science this is the science the government said they had been doing but apparently we're not doing and yes like you said we're finding a direct correlation between more boat traffic in areas where there had not been boat traffic and whale death and so we are able to see two different mechanisms at least. One is that the sound frightens the whales away from their feeding grounds into poorer areas where there's not as much food and they can starve. And then the second is that it pushes them out of those areas into areas with more boat traffic. And we see more boat traffic in the areas that had not been trafficked before, and that traffic being directly correlated to the increase in whale death. So, yeah, it's a bad, this is a very, this science is so strong that it suggests that if, if, if the government has either, has been doing this correctly, they have been covering it up or they have not been doing the research that they should have known would show these correlations. Wow. Well, Michael, thank you very much. This is eye opening again. The documentary is thrown to the wind. You got to come back on again soon. We love our whales so much. Thank you very much. Keep us informed. We love our whales and, and we don't want our, you know, we don't want our whales to die. I mean, where's the environmentalist? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. And, uh, well, a state senator in Georgia, John, has been raising the flag and is very frustrated with who you call basically Fulton County Fanny, uh, because it's just a local uh, DA there in Fulton County, How Georgia. Can a lo- local DA indict a former president of the United States 
and and 18 of his lawyers. I mean, this is ridiculous. It is crazy, John. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is Georgia State Senator Colton Moore. Uh, State Senator, thank you for joining us because you are pushing an effort uh, to impeach this Fulton County District Attorney. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my constituents are extremely frustrated that their tax dollars are going to fund this. Um, my job as a state legislator uh, is to influence the legislative process. And in Georgia, the legislature, we've got the ability to control the funds. We have the ability to defund her if we would like. We also have the ability to investigate. And uh, that's my intention, calling for this special session. So what do you think the chances the are of this happening? What, yeah. what are the chances? Because, you know, we're out of New York City. We're, we're the whole world, but but we're out of New York City. We don't know all the laws in Georgia. Tell us under what theory uh, are you going to be able to do that? Well, uh, the governor himself could immediately call the special session if he was willing. Uh, unfortunately to him, this is a, an issue of 2020 and not an issue of the election here in 2024. Um, so therefore, it takes um, three-fifths of the legislature. If all of the Republican GOP senators in the Senate would sign on, uh, that would be three-fifths there. Unfortunately, it will take a couple Democrats over in the House. The majorities are a bit tighter there. Uh, but surely they can understand when the ACLU reports that half of the inmates at the Fulton County Jail have yet to be charged with a crime, and crime is absolutely rampant in Fulton County. Meanwhile, we've got Young Thug and Young Slime also on RICO charges, and uh, they haven't picked a jury in about a year. So there's no justice there. Meanwhile, 19 people, and remember it took 19 days to count the votes here in Georgia, expressed their First Amendment rights to question the integrity of the election, and now they're being charged on novel charges, novel being brand new, things like tweeting false information. And they've got them tied up in mafia-style RICO charges. Well, yeah, and listen, I everyone is talking about this. And now it may even open the floodgates in Nevada and other places. Uh, State Senator, uh, we are so appreciative of you being here. And you got to keep us posted. you got to come back on again soon. Please keep us posted how this goes. You're welcome anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you. very much. Wow, really interesting. And speaking of uh, Fannie Willis and Trump... Uh, everybody stay with us. We got Laura Trump after let's the break. Take, well, let's take that break and we're going to go to Laura Trump. Yep, she's calling in. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news and lots of developments on the Donald Trump front is Laura Trump. She is senior advisor, of course, to the 2020 campaign and also host of the Right View podcast. Laura, have you here on Cats and Cosby? Let's get right to it because there was a big thing that just came out saying uh, that your father-in-law plans to skip uh, the first debate and maybe doing some counter-programming uh, with Tucker Carlson or someone else. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that, Donald Trump doing something out of the box, say it is so... Well, of course, you know, this has been uh, kind of a hot topic and a topic of debate, I think, for people since, you know, they announced that this first debate was happening in August. And Donald Trump in traditional Trump fashion likes to keep people guessing. And, you know, the, the interesting thing for him 
is that having been president one time already, it's not as though we don't know where he stands on things. It's not as though we don't know how he will act as president. And typically that is what these debates are about. What would you do if president and this situation presented itself? Um, So it is maybe the one time I think people look at it and say, well, I can see why he wouldn't debate. And I would see why perhaps he would say he could be more effective at gathering people and getting people's attention in another venue. So potentially that is what we may see happen next week. But as, as Donald Trump often does, you really don't know sometimes, Rita, until the very last minute. So we'll see what yeah, happens. I'm sure. You know, Laura, he was talking with me and John um, a couple months ago, and he was saying at that point, too, look how far ahead I am. Um, and it would actually put the other candidates in an interesting position to kind of debate each other. Uh, he continues to soar uh, despite all of these indictments and all this stuff. What, what's your reaction? What's the family's reaction, Laura Trump, to this latest one? And John calls calls her uh, basically Fulton County Fanny because it's Fulton County, Georgia, uh, and slapping it on. And now we're hearing Arizona might try to do something, Nevada. I mean, this is crazy. Oh, my gosh. It's, it really is. And the interesting thing, too, Rita, when you look at the timing of these indictments as they happen for my father-in-law, it's amazing to see that in the same time frame, within a day or so of an indictment of Donald Trump, You have some major breaking news just days before about the Biden family. And then all of a sudden the news cycle changes. Why? Because Donald Trump is indicted. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that the goal of these indictments is to sling as much mud at Donald Trump as possible to make him unelectable to people, to damage him in some way and and prevent him ultimately from becoming the 47th president of the United States. Because what this all boils down to is that when Donald Trump ran in 2015 and 2016 and ultimately won, he was an outsider, and they still consider him an outsider in Washington, D.C. Make no mistake about it. He is the one person running for president of the United States who cannot be bought, and because of that, he cannot be controlled, and that is a liability for the swamp. They can't afford a second term of Donald Trump in the White House because think about how much he really exposed his first four years in office, should he get back in there? I think they know the jig is up for a lot of them. So people are starting to realize with each indictment, sadly, that has occurred for my father-in-law, I think what this is all about, and the one in Georgia especially, is ridiculous on pretty much every level possible. From the fact that this DA down there in Fulton County, Fonnie Willis, ran a campaign not, Rita, to protect the citizens of her county to make sure that the laws were enforced down there. She ran a campaign just like Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, just like Letitia James in New York to get Donald Trump. That's what it's all been about from the beginning for her. Then you saw the indictment released hours before the grand jury even voted. Are you kidding me? How did they know how the grand jury was going to vote? It's miraculous in so many ways. And then the fact that this really boils down to my father-in-law exercising his First Amendment freedom of speech and daring even question the result of an election, which, by the way, so many millions of people still have questions about what happened in that election today. Um, It's really disgraceful and and disgusting on so many levels. It's so un-American. But what happens every time is you see his poll numbers go up. You see more support behind him because people understand at the end of the day what this is all about. 
you know, Laura Trump, one of the things, too, is just the timetable. I mean, you look at where these uh, prosecutors are pitching. One of them is pitching for it to be the day before Super Tuesday. I mean, it's crazy. Another one around the time of the debate. Is this all about sort of bogging down? I mean, John, we're laughing. It's, it's, strictly, so crazy. it's strictly politics. Strictly of politics. Course. And I think the American people are starting to realize it. And uh, I, I think it will be a good ending for uh, President Trump. I do, too. And, and I think it's, it's politics that it's absolute worst. It's politics how we should never see it happen. It's, it's un-American. Like I just said, this is really antithetical to everything we're supposed to represent as the United States. It should be we, the people, who get an opportunity to vote for our president, for the person who leads this country. It should not be up to a bunch of swampy people in Washington, D.C., who very clearly have a, a concerted effort to take down one man. They should not get to decide before we do. And that is what we see happening right now. And I, I think you're right, John. I think that this ultimately shakes out very well for Donald Trump and very well for the country, because I believe he'll become the 47th president. I agree with you. And I think uh, uh, the American people are a little bit ashamed about what's going on in politics. It's like a third world country. Yeah, it's like a banana republic. It really is. And I think I think it goes to not even just your father-in-law, Laura Trump, but it goes to the American justice system and as we were talking about Hunter Biden, to hold double standards, it is just so crazy. Uh, Laura, we love having you on. you got to come back on again soon. Oh, anytime. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. Well, oh, that was that great. That was a great interview, Rita. Really great. You did great. a great job. And, guys, have a great weekend. What do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.